Sunday morning. Time for some jazz. Welcome, Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 16, November 1st, 2020. In a longest year of most of our lives, I would think. 2020's been quite the adventure, hasn't it? I'd be remiss to uh, not acknowledge the passing of um, the original James Bond, Mr. Sean Connery. Although I was a a great fan of his work, uh, turns out he wasn't necessarily the nicest man in the world and had a penchant for slapping women when he felt necessary. So I'm not going to dwell on that. I liked his work. I never knew him. Enough said. To counter that, I want to feature a, um, a jazz, international jazz supergroup I've featured in the past. This is from their uh, debut album, which was, was released on uh, September 11th of this year, 2020. The band is just uh, a, a collection of incredibly gifted musicians and a vocalist, too. There's no vocal work on this particular track that I'm going to play today, but nevertheless, uh, I shall feature some vocal work from them in the future. Of course, I'm referring to Artemis, and this is from their Blue Note Records debut from September of 2020. This is Goddess of the Hunt.
Goddess of the Hunt from Artemis. Their lead track off their Blue Note Records debut, released in September of 2011. Or, sorry, September 11th, 2020, this past uh, fall. Uh, technically, we still are in fall, I guess. Although it's been feeling like winter the last few days, but we are still in the autumn season. So Artemis, as I had stated earlier, was uh, formed at the urging of... Uh, Rene Rosnes, uh, when uh, at the Biest, I guess it was uh, for a European festival tour about uh, three years ago in 2017. Uh, a direct quote from uh, Rene is, is thus, I chose musicians whom I respected and wanted to make music with, and after performing together I realized that we had a brilliant chemistry. We decided to explore the possibilities of what might develop over time, and that's how Artemis was born. Now the title track, or the lead-off track from the album, Goddess of the Hunt, is appropriate as the Greek goddess Artemis was just that, the goddess of the hunt. Of course, the band is, as I stated earlier, an international assembly of magnificent musicians, Canadian uh, Rene Rosnes, tenor saxophonist uh, Melissa Aldana, trumpeter Ingrid Jensen, bassist Noriko Ueda, drummer Alison Miller, vocalist Cecile McLaurin-Sylvain, and Anat Cohen. Cohen? Terrible pronunciation on my part there. Yeah, they've, they've been around for three years now, and this is their debut album, and it's uh, quite a spectacular um, outing. Nine tracks in total, all available, of course, on the Spotify. It's some different uh, urgings and, and influences on this record. Chopin was a heavy influence on a couple of tracks, which is maybe maybe not something you would ordinarily or, or expect to, I guess, see as an influence on a jazz track. Goddess of the Hunt was, uh, I guess, written largely by uh, drummer Alison Miller from New York City. She says uh, it's a sonic exploration of the powerful traits that define women. We are resilient, tenacious, determined, life-giving, versatile, nurturing, elegant, mysterious, cunning, persistent, and patient. Each section of the piece rolls into the next, giving the listener a sense of continuum in the cycle of life. Well, I don't think I can add to that at all. That's a pretty, pretty spectacular uh, description of what we just heard. So, um, I, I noticed when I put today's playlist together, and it was just by happenstance, um, it's a, mostly a Canadian, I say mostly Canadian, well, the next four acts are all Canadian, but Artemis features two members of the band from Canada, so this is, for want of a better term, an all-Canadian jazz playlist today. So, next we're going to turn to Mr. Jesse Cahill and the Nightcrawlers out of um, Vancouver, British Columbia. Jesse's uh, a spectacular jazz drummer who he, uh, he's, he's been, he started, I guess, at the age of 16 and uh, from his hometown of Victoria, BC, British Columbia. And in 93, he moved to Montreal to study music at McGill University. Graduated in 1999 with a bachelor's degree in jazz performance. I guess he moved back to the West Coast in 99 and He's become one of the busiest drummers in the jazz music scene in Canada. He's worked with a lot of people, a lot of legends. 
And when he got this band together, I guess back in 2011, it sort of took off. Now, this particular track is um, from 2013 from the album Volume Nightcrawlers, Volume 3. Please enjoy this. I, uh, I think it's, uh, well, it's titled The Send-Off, and it's, it's up to you to, to figure out what you think about it, because I'm not going to tell you how to think, of course, but I really like this piece. It's uh, laid back and, well, mellow jazz.
Jesse Cahill, The Nightcrawlers, recorded live from The Cellar in uh, Vancouver in 2013. Of course, that featured the spectacular Hammond B3 organ stylings of Mr. Chris Gestrin. Or is it Gestrin? I'm not sure. See, the thing about mispronouncing a name means that you've read it and never actually heard it before. So, apologies if I made a mistake. I I don't mean to do so. Of course, they hail from Vancouver, like I said, and um, that was recorded at the Cellar Nightclub, which is uh, quite famous for uh, live jazz recordings. They tend to record direct to two-inch tape and then mix into uh, digital files. This live record is, is practically a time machine, as it's been described paying homage to old-school jazz with some new stylings all at the same time. Great record. Seek out Nightcrawlers, and it's well worth your time. They have, I think, five albums in total as of this date and time. So we're going to go from Vancouver to Toronto, and uh, the gentleman we're going to feature next is, he actually hails originally from Nova Scotia, but came to national prominence in the 1980s with a group of, um, well, demonic uh, jazz players, the Shuffle Demons out of Toronto originally. Uh, Alto, our tenor saxophonist, I should say, Mike Murley. He's uh, been on the Toronto music scene and the broader Canadian jazz scene for about 35 years now. So his name is very much well-known in jazz circles. He's worked and recorded with Diana Kroll, and, uh, uh, well, I guess at one point in time he recorded extensively with Oscar Peterson. So he's, you know, played with some of the bigger artists in the jazz scene in Canada, and at large and abroad, of course. So this is from his 2014 album, The Mike Murley Trio, Looking Back featuring Red Schwager on guitar and Steve Wallace on bass. This is Isfahan, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. (laughs) Mike Morley Trio. Thank you. 
2014 album, Looking Back, Isfahan, which was originally recorded and written by Billy Strayhorn and Duke Ellington for their 1968 release, The Far East Suite, which won the Grammy Award for Best Jazz Instrumental Album. Of course, Mike Morley, Merley, Merley, my apologies, not Morley, Merley, (laughs) terrible. Some days I just stumble over my tongue. One of uh, Canada's most celebrated and well-respected jazz artists. He's um, an associate professor at the uh, University of Toronto Jazz Program. He's been on 14 Juno Award-winning recordings since 1990. Seven as leader or co-leader and seven as sideman. Which, that's that's really quite something. As I said, he, he moved to Toronto originally from Nova Scotia. He moved to Toronto in 1981. And, uh, yeah, the, he had some uh, sort of mainstream acceptance when he was a member of the Shuffle Demons with a, uh, a video that they shot, I guess it was about 1985 or 86, I can't recall the exact date, titled Spadina Bus. If uh, you were alive at that time, you would remember seeing the video on much music. And if you look it up, you can find it again. They are a talented group, of course, the Shuffle Demons, but... This is about the Mike Murley Trio. So, the band, well, it's made up, of course, Mike Murley. He's the uh, sax player. Reg Schweiger, guitar player, one of Canada's leading jazz guitarists. He's played with, my goodness, Mel Torme, Hank Jones, Diana Krall, Peter, La- Peter Appleyard, Oliver Jones, Dave Young, just to name a few. He's played all over the world, and he has been active on the Toronto scene for, my goodness, 40-some years now. Of course, on bass is Mr. Steve Wallace, also hails originally from Toronto, and he's worked with uh, Clark Terry, Eddie Sweets, Harry Sweets, sorry, Harry Sweets Edison, Eddie Lockjaw Davis, George Coleman, Zoot Sims, and Pepper Adams, just to name a few. He's... uh, He's become associated with the Concord Jazz Label. Uh, I guess since about 1982, he's been involved with them. And he's worked on albums as a sideman for Rosemary Clooney and Mel Torme, amongst others. So his um, resume is long and deep. And if you like the work of Mr. Murley, his uh, latest album was released um, this time last year, titled Taking Flight, with... uh, Special guest Rene Rosnes, featuring Red Schweiger, Steve Wallace, and Jim Vivian. Pretty spectacular record, actually, from start to finish. You can find all of his uh, selections upon uh, searching them out through Spotify, or other streaming services, of course, but I, uh, I tend to use Spotify just because I find it's the simplest one for me. And the sound quality is, is quite good. Okay, let's move it along, shall we? I'm going to feature another Toronto act, um, a 19-piece big band borderline orchestra. This album was recorded in September of 2016 when the leader of the band, Chelsea McBride, was 24. The album was released uh, three days prior to her 25th birthday in January of 2017. Um, This record is, well, it's absolutely unique. 
they're they're a very different act, but I I really like them. Now some people may take umbrage with the uh, title of the band, but that's that's your problem. <laughs> this is uh, Chelsea McBride's Socialist Night School with The Twilight Fall. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do.
Twilight Fall, Chelsea McBride's Socialist Night School, released in January of 2017, just a couple of days prior to her 25th birthday. Now, Chelsea has a total of six, uh, six releases, five albums and, uh, and an EP, of course, and I think we're going to be hearing from her for a very long time to come. She is uh, quite quite the genius composer, conductor, and tenor saxophonist. I want to read you a few words from Chelsea uh, when she talks about this record. And I quote her as thus. The twilight fall is the soundtrack to your traveling daydreams. The story of your life as you move between waking, concrete places... The Socialist Night School takes you on a long-distance journey to the end of your imagination. Fantastic landscapes, internal dialogue, echoes of memory. And when your body finally arrives, we bring you home. Okay, that's a little dreamy. Nevertheless, I quite like it. Of course, that is a 19-piece ensemble. You have... I'm going to try and get through this. Uh, on reeds, Colleen Allen, Naomi Higgins, Anthony Rinaldi, Patrick Smith, and Conrad Glutch. Or is it Gluck? I'm not sure. Trumpet flugelhorn players, uh, James Rhodes, Justin C., Tom Upjohn, and Brownman Alley. Trombones, William Kern, Aiden Sibley, Jill Richards, Nicholas Sieber, the rhythm section on piano, Chris Bruder. On guitar, Dave Rydell. Upright and electric bass, Mr. Steve Falk. And on drums, Jeff Bruce. They have a few records out as the 19-piece ensemble, of course, and, and like I said, that um, was released in 2017. Pretty amazing for someone so young to create such diverse... And challenging, intertwining melodies. I think I think we're going to hear a lot more from Chelsea in the in the years to come. At least I certainly hope so. I want to go on a musical journey with her because I think she's got some interesting places to take us. So today I have one final artist to play for you at the end of the show. And, well, this, this artist, um, hmm. I've played a feature from him in the past, and, and this, this recording uh, is from 1968. Now, the gentleman was, he's been revered as one of the greatest jazz guitarists, let alone just straight up one of the greatest guitar players to have ever lived. And he's influenced an awful lot of people. His style was unique, and he explored the instrument in ways that nobody had before. He died under very mysterious circumstances in 1984 in Los Angeles. Uh, well, we believe he was murdered, but uh, it's never been proven for certain. He was originally born in um, Auburn, Maine. In 1941, but he moved with his family to Moncton, New Brunswick in 1948. Um, his francophone parents, Harold Bro and Betty Cody, 
were uh, professional country and western musicians, and uh, they performed and recorded from the mid-1930s until the mid-70s. So they played all throughout southern New Brunswick in the 40s, and eventually they moved to, um, in Moncton, of course, and eventually they moved to uh, Winnipeg in, I guess it was 1957, which I'm sure was a bit of a change, because although it can get chilly in New Brunswick, it's nothing like Winnipeg. I guess uh, Lenny Bro, that's who I'm talking about, he uh, left his parents' country band after his father slapped him in the face for incorporating jazz improvisation into his playing with the group. He was quite upset and said, that's it, I'm done. So he sought out local jazz musicians and performed around Winnipeg venues for a while before he ended up moving to Toronto in 1962, where he created the jazz group Three with uh, famous Canadian singer and actor Don Franks. Who's Don Franks? Well, you've seen him in a number of films and television shows over the years. Um, You've seen his daughter and his son in, well, his daughter used to uh, perform on much music. And she was also featured on uh, A Different World. I uh, played one of her tracks on one of my other shows some time ago, Revelation Sunshine, which was uh, produced by... Lenny Kravitz, who was, of course, married to Lisa Bonet at the time, and they had starred together on the uh, television series A Different World. So, let's back it up to where we began with Mr. Lenny Bro. He ended up uh, landing his own television show on the CBC titled The Lenny Bro Show in, I guess it was about 1962. And he recorded with Chet Atkins, amongst others, of course, and Chet always thought of him as one of the greatest players that ever lived. Of course, Chet was no slouch himself, as you well know. He was also very good friends with Eddie Van Halen because he loved his playing style. Lenny had a number of issues with uh, addiction, drugs, and alcohol. I guess it started in the 60s and kind of... um, Managed to, uh, he, he managed to get it under control in the last few years of his life. He was found in a swimming pool at his apartment complex in Los Angeles. And they report that he'd been strangled, but um, nobody's ever been uh, arrested for it. His wife, at the time Jewel, was the chief suspect, but she was never charged. So we don't know what the true story is behind his passing, or his, I guess his murder if you could say that. It's still kind of up in the air. There's been tons of uh, archived features about Lenny that we've found over the years, and if you seek them out, they are available. But let's play this magnificent piece from his uh, 1968 recording, Guitar Sounds from Lenny Bro. This is uh, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, originally written and recorded by Well, Bob Dylan, have a listen to this. Thank you. 
genius Lenny Bro with magnificent playing. As I said earlier, he is widely recognized as one of the greatest guitarists that has ever lived. He excelled technically, able to play bass lines, complete chords, pick out a melody at the same time. As his career progressed, his uh, artistic approach to the guitar matured, and he was able to use his mastery in a number of styles, including jazz, country, and flamenco, to produce uh, a pretty emotionally charged soundscape. His trademark was his use of rapid-fire harmonics and uh, his so-called harp style. When he was living in Winnipeg, he was very good friends with um, Randy Bachman, who for a time was his guitar teacher. But as often is the case, the student surpassed the teacher. Sadly, we can't hear any more of Lenny, any new music that is, of course, because he was, he's been gone for 36 years now. We'll never know what, uh, what his cause of death was. He was only 43 at the time, so I'm sure he had several years of music left in him. Sometimes genius is just too good for this world. And on that note, I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday, or perhaps it's a Monday, or, well, I don't know when you're listening to this. Maybe you're listening at work. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. And, of course, I will be back um, in the next few days with another jazz show, possibly next week, maybe midweek. We'll see how my schedule permits. I'll be recording a uh, three-hour show this evening about uh, the 1980s, which is not jazz-related in any way, shape, or form. So if you're looking for something uh, alternative to jazz, it'll be uh, Songs and Stories, Volume 84, Favorites from the 80s, Part 3. So until we meet again, my friends, take care wherever you are in this world. I hope you're happy. Bye.